Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. Hey guys, my name is Andrew Youngblood, and I'm the campus pastor uh, with Chi Alpha here at TCU. We're super honored that you join us uh, virtually online or watching it some other time. Uh, whether you're brand new to campus or you've been around Chi Alpha for years, welcome. Know that we've been praying for you. We love you. Um, we're just believing God's got awesome things in store for you. So thanks for, for joining us in this season, making time for tonight. Um, so when I was in junior high, uh, I was what people, what most people would consider not cool. I was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I had a weird haircut. I had weird glasses. I had braces. Um, I was really sweaty all the time, randomly for some reason, which was pretty gross. I was like the best trombone player in the junior high band and like the worst football player. <laughs> but don't just take my word for it. We actually have a picture of me. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what I looked like my last year in junior high. I had Harry Potter glasses before Harry Potter even existed. Why did I choose those? Uh, who knows? Um, but probably the most uncool thing about me in this season of life was that I got bullied in chess club. That's right. I got bullied in chess club by two guys named Charlie and Jerome. I get body slammed regularly and, and beat up all the time. And so junior high was a hard time for baby Andrew, uh, as you can imagine, and as it is for a lot of other people. So, uh, so going into high school, uh, I obviously felt like something uh, needed to change. I needed to rebrand, so to speak. And so I made a plan to take charge of my weird life and use the next few years to make new friends, have new experiences, uh, make the most of the opportunity before me. And I was going to choose my own path and get a fresh start. And that's where many of you guys find yourselves at right now, right? I mean, probably not the rebranding from being weird thing, but um, you're here, you get to choose your own path. It's like your first semester at TCU or a new school year. And so you're going to make new friends. You're going to get to do what you want. You might be excited, you might be nervous, you might just be glad to be out of the house, um, but you're here and you're making your way through the college experience. And you might be wondering, like, where does faith in Jesus, uh, uh, this belief in God, Christianity, where does it fit into, uh, into all this? Because the stereotypical college experience um, may not seem to mesh well with your understanding of Christianity. Like, you might want to stay faithful to your convictions, but you also don't want to be bored and lame. And uh, I could promise you Jesus doesn't want you to be bored and lame. But still, like, how does this all work? How does it all fit together? Is it workable, really? And the cool thing is that God doesn't leave us in the dark on this one. Um, we can actually find relevant information in the Bible about the stage that you're in. And uh, in fact, we're about to discover that there are some guys in Scripture that were in a similar situation to you are when they encountered Jesus. So let's read this passage from the first chapter of Mark, and, uh, and, and the, the heading here is the first disciples. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, the first disciples. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. 
uh, Jesus shows up to these fishermen's workplace and he yells at them, come follow me. And they immediately drop everything, right? Like, is, isn't anyone else thinking that might be a little bit insane? Like Jesus shows up, these four guys just leave their jobs. Two of them leave their dad in the middle of the workday. Like, it seems a little crazy, right? Um, it, it is, except when we kind of understand the context of where these guys were living. Um, it makes a little more sense that this was first century Israel. It's a highly religious culture. And at this time, the education system and the religious system are actually uh, linked. And so from the time you were a little kid, you actually studied in the church, the local synagogue. And your teacher was a highly respected religious leader called a rabbi. And so unlike our context in Jesus' day, around the junior high age, the 12 to 13 range, all the boys uh, would learn their family trade, um, but the religious leaders would start making cuts in the education system of, uh, for who gets to stay in school. And so only the best and only the brightest go to study under the best rabbis, and only the smartest and the most promising students are recruited for the higher education programs of their day around 12 to 13 years old. And so if the teachers thought you were exceptional, awesome, you get to keep learning. If they thought you were average, you get to go work with your family, like these guys are doing where we, where we find them, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're with their family working. And uh, there were likely young men, most of them single around your ages, and um, they're working with the family so they didn't make the cut. And Jesus, this rabbi, comes by and says, come follow me. Now, this is a huge deal. This is like they just got their acceptance letter to the school that they were told they weren't good enough to get into. And uh, so, of course, they leave to follow this teacher. I'm sure James and John's dad wasn't even mad about it, right? He's excited that these guys are going to get this opportunity. And so he's ecstatic. And so now, in this moment, after leaving their nets, these disciples, these young new students are starting their first semester of this new educational experience with incredible opportunities in front of them. Can you imagine how they felt? Like how nervous and excited they might have been? Of course you can because you're living that right now. They were probably thinking the same things that you are. Gosh, I hope I don't screw this up. Like, I hope this is fun. I hope my teacher likes me. Like, I hope that I can make the most of this. And so these young guys and eventually ladies would also begin to follow Jesus as his disciples. They're starting their first semester in the best school in the country, and Jesus is their teacher. And in this short passage of scripture, Jesus is revealing some things to them that are relevant to us today. And I want to draw out three things. Uh, that we can take from this passage as we think about faith and the college experience. Uh, these things are actually core convictions that we believe in in Chi Alpha at TCU. They're things that we pray for and we fight for in our community, and we pray actually permeate our campus. And so the first thing that I want, us, I want us to see in this passage is real devotional life. The first thing is real devotional life. What often comes to mind when we think about devotional life is prayer and reading the Bible and worship and church engagement. And uh, that's certainly part of a devotional life. Uh, but Jesus is going to go even deeper with these guys, um, these new students. And as we can see in this passage, the students of Jesus' day, uh, they didn't go sit in a classroom for a few hours and listen to the teacher. Um, they actually you know, weren't taking notes and taking tests and trying to get a good GPA. The goal of a disciple, a student, of a rabbi wasn't just to know what the rabbi knew or what the teacher knew, but it was actually to become who the teacher was. They were trying to become who the teacher was. And so it was about information, but more importantly, it was about personal transformation. 
Disciples would follow their teachers literally everywhere they went and work really hard to imitate them in every area of life. And so I dare you to try that one with one of your professors this semester and see how long it takes you uh, before you get arrested. I don't think it would take that long. Um, but these guys weren't really just signing up for a class. They were committing to a person. And, and it required real devotion to becoming like this person. And that's, that's really the heart of real devotional life. Yes, we read scripture. Yes, we pray. Yes, we worship. Yes, we get involved in church and Christian community and all of that stuff. But not, it's not just simply to fill our heads with knowledge and, and theology and those kind of things. We do those things because they help us become like our teacher. Those disciplines and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, help us become like Jesus, our God, our Savior. And if your faith is going to shape your college experience, you have to have a real self-initiated devotional life. Not something that you do to appease your family or your parents uh, or squeeze in when you get around to it, um, but something that you make time for. It's about having a conviction to do all you can to become like Jesus no matter the cost. Because you understand that God himself is actually inviting you to follow him. These students of Jesus needed a real devotional life, and so do we. The second thing that we see here is real brother and sisterhood. Have you guys seen the welcome home stuff plastered literally all over campus? Like, it's super hard to miss it. Um, and I think it's really a recognition of a longing in our hearts for home. Like TCU is recognizing we do have a longing in our hearts for home. And home isn't just like a building or uh, your bed or that like comfortable spot on the couch where you binge Netflix. Like home is, is about, that's part of it, surely. But um, home is about family. It's about the people. And um, we're created, actually wired for that family bond, for family, for relationship. And so in Chi Alpha, we often say like no one was meant to live life alone. And we mean like not alone from God, not separated from God, but to be in relationship with God. But also we mean we're supposed to be in relationship with others, that no one was meant to live life alone in that way. And if you follow studies on the emerging generation, Generation Z, there's this epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And I just believe like if we're wired for family and relationship, then that's a problem, right? And we recognize that's a problem. But, but I think that followers of Jesus should actually be part of the solution to that. Because we should understand that, that we're not created for independence, but we're actually created for interdependence. We actually need each other. And we understand that as, as followers of Jesus. And so you'll notice in our passage that Jesus didn't just call one dude, right? He called multiple guys and pairs of brothers. Why? Why did he do that? Because Jesus knew that his disciples would need him and each other to make it through. They would need him and each other to make it through. And so do we. We need Jesus and we need each other. Uh, one day I was walking by myself in the middle of campus and the wildest thing happened, okay? I was minding my own business, just walking through the middle of the campus and this massive hawk swooped down like right past me and landed on this poor def defenseless squirrel, right? And he started like clawing the life out of him. He's just kind of standing on him. And then all of a sudden, you know those like nasty birds that hang out in the Walmart parking lot, these grackles? There was this like swarm of grackles that chased this hawk off. And then the hawk's like flying 
uh, up in the air, and like 20 feet in the air, he drops the squirrel. <laughs> the squirrel falls to the ground and like runs up into a tree. Um, it was absolutely insane. And it all happened so fast, I couldn't get out my phone, you know, to document it. <laughs> and so it happened in the middle of campus, and I was the only one who saw it. And you know how I know that I was the only one who saw it? Because I did the thing that we all do in these moments. I looked around like, did anyone else see that? Did anyone else notice what just happened? Like I was looking all over the place. Like instinctively, I was wondering, somebody else had to have seen that. Like, you know those moments, right? You've experienced those. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we look around like that? You know why I think we do? I think it's because that's how God actually wired us. Fun things are more fun when someone else is with you. Like funny things are more funny. Crazy things are more crazy. Like when you experience stuff together and you get to tell stories about it and you get to relive it, there's nothing better than that. But also the other side of that is true. Dumb things are less dumb when someone's beside you. Like the hardest class I took in college was freshman philosophy. I don't know why it was so hard. I don't know why they made it. It was, you know, entry-level freshman class. But the most fun class that I ever had studying for was freshman philosophy. Because as hard as it was, the whole class would get together before the test, and we'd get together in IHOP, and we would spend all-nighters. And we had a blast trying to figure out what it was that the professor wanted us to stay on the test. But we were together, and it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I have a friend that says, digging a ditch by yourself sucks. Taking it with a friend is easier, and with two to three friends, it's a party. <laughs> Even us introverts are wired to be with people. Like We all need brothers and sisters to walk through this life with. College is an incredibly fun time. You have so many of those, like, did anyone else see that moment in college? The disciples experienced that. They saw God. They saw Jesus do incredible things, miracles, healings. Casting out demons, massive crowds following him. They also saw the really difficult things uh, later on in their ministry. Jesus being rejected and then them being rejected and persecuted. And eventually they give their lives uh, for each other and for the cause of Christ. And so they saw these, did anyone else see that moments? And they did them together. And you're going to have those in college, right? You're going to have the maybe the wild hawk landing <laughs> on a defenseless squirrel or like this massive come from behind football victory if we ever get to play football again. Um, some might be the, on the other side of that, like personally painful, um, maybe a breakup or a bad grade or, or death in the family. And my prayer for all of us is that when that moment happens, the good, the bad, and everything in between, like when we ask, did anyone else see that? We would be able to say, yes, my brothers or sisters were there with me. And when those around us have those moments, they would be able to say that we were there for them too. To high five them, to cry with them, to just be there. Um, and so Jesus began to establish that real brother and sisterhood with his first semester disciples. And in the end, the night he was arrested, he told those students, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. The proof of whether or not you really follow me is how you love each other. And so if your faith is going to shape your college experience, you have to have real brothers and sisters in your life, and you also have to be real brothers and sisters for others. It's, it's the heart of Jesus. The third thing we see here that I wanted to point out, the last thing is real responsibility. Jesus says, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. Their very first day of their very first semester, Jesus was calling his students to change the world. 
not just to follow him around and watch him work or not just to passively enjoy the community that he was going to create. But from day one, Jesus expects that his followers would bring more people into the family. The responsibility to bring others into the family was actually linked to the call to follow Jesus. There is no separation. Jesus had a vision for a kingdom and a family that would extend beyond just one generation, um, not just one generation, but it would transform every generation until his return. And those first disciples took Jesus' vision for the reality of eternity, the reality of heaven and hell, sin and salvation. They took that very, very seriously. And they felt real responsibility to make sure that the impact of their lives would continue long after they were gone by fishing for people, by making disciples. They had a burden to keep advancing the cause of Jesus in the world. And so in Kaiapha, we're convinced that every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus has been invited into the same call to be fishers of men. There's no special exemptions or exceptions for any of us. Like we're called to change the world. We're, We're given the Holy Spirit to be a witness to the reality of Jesus and to invite others into the family also. So if your faith is going to shape your college experience, real responsibility is essential. When you introduce your peers to Jesus, not only are their lives changed, but their whole family tree is changed. Like our commitment to to God's call actually ripples through this world and eternity. It lasts far beyond us. And when you really sense that burden to be responsible for bringing others to Jesus, you will leave here someday And it's something that you continue to do the rest of your life. Like as an accountant, you fish for people, make disciples. As a teacher, you fish for people, you make disciples. As a nurse, an entrepreneur, a grad student, whatever, you are going to make disciples. You're going to fish for people. And when you own that responsibility, the world will be different. Your legacy can be the lives that were changed as a result of fighting for the souls of others. There's nothing better than being fully obedient to the call of Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing boring or lame about it. Jesus calls his followers to real responsibility for others. So in our scripture passage, Jesus is just starting the first semester with these students. About three years later, he's crucified. Spoiler alert, he actually is risen from the dead, and eventually he ascends into heaven. So how did the disciples end up doing? How did his students do? Like, what did they do after graduation, right? We read in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, after they encounter the Holy Spirit and are empowered by him, what happens in the lives of these disciples? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. What is this? They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing meals, prayer. That's a real devotional life. Miraculous signs and wonders are happening. They are devoted to Jesus. Awesome. They got the first one right, right? Verses 44 through 46, it says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They spent time together. They loved and they served each other. Guys, they had real brother and sisterhood. That's awesome. They got the second one right too. 
Verse 47 says this, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day, each day, there were people being added to the family. That's real responsibility. They were devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to each other as brothers and sisters. And people were being added to the family. They fished for people. They did what Jesus asked them to do. The Holy Spirit was empowering them and working in and through them. And they did what Jesus had asked them to do from that very first day on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. That's what he had asked them to do. And that's what they did once he was gone and the Holy Spirit came. And this is, guys, this is why we do life groups. You guys have heard about that. <laughs> you know, Kimber talked about it. Um, we long to be obedient to Jesus. We, we long to devote ourselves to him and to one another and bring others into the family. Like life groups is the most important thing that we do in Chi Alpha because we're studying scripture together. We're encouraging one another. We're serving one another. We're spending time together even outside of life group. We're trying to develop that brother and sisterhood that's not just about us, but also changes the world around us. Like we're about the real responsibility. That's what our life groups are all about. And you can actually sign up for one right now. Um, and, and listen, like we want you to get plugged into something like a life group. But listen, if, if you're uh, not about being in a Chi Alpha life group, will you please let us find help you find somewhere else. We have great relationships with other ministries and other churches in the area. Like if Chi Alpha isn't for you, please know our heart is to plug you in somewhere where you can be devoted to Jesus in community and making disciples and fishing for people. And so you guys remember Harry Potter, Andrew, right? <laughs> What happened to that guy? Did he accomplish the rebrand, right, in his fresh start season? Yes, I actually did. And I made new friends and I did all the things that I'd hoped. I started a punk rock band. I have a picture of that. So, yeah, I was, I was still weird, but at least it was on purpose. Uh, I got a girlfriend. That was kind of cool. I stopped getting beat up and somehow got elected, uh, like, class clown my senior year, which was kind of wild. Um, but I, I don't know if you notice, faith in Jesus is not a part <laughs> of that story of junior high or high school. Like, I grew up in church, but I didn't have the convictions that we talked about tonight. I ran further and further from God through high school and into college. I didn't value faith. I ended up uh, making a, a real mess of my life. Um, I struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts and addictions. Um, I was selfish and prideful. Um, but in the middle of all that, while I'm in college, there's this guy, this Chi Alpha pastor named Lennon Noland, who came into my life. And he fought for me. He loved me and he treated me like a real brother, even when I was incredibly difficult <laughs> to get along with and to be around. He seemed to embody this whole idea of a real devotional life because he was like one of maybe a handful of young Christians that I actually saw like trying to be like Jesus, trying to live out the Bible. Um, and he had this sense of real responsibility to keep fighting for me, to keep sharing the gospel with me uh, and inviting me to turn to Jesus. It, and I, it seemed like he never gave up on his hope and prayer that I would one day turn to Jesus. But I never actually did start following Jesus in college. In fact, um, I'm, probably, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that might have uh, made Lennon pretty sad. It might have discouraged him because through my college years, I never really did uh, turn back to Jesus. And But... A couple of years after college, uh, things were kind of a mess because of just the life that I had chosen to live, and something clicked. 
I finally realized um, in that moment about how Jesus had actually been chasing after me by using this precious man of God to demonstrate his love for me. And finally, like after a few years after college, I finally truly surrendered to Jesus. And uh, within a couple years, I got married and um, I left my IT career to actually start this campus ministry adventure. We ended up here at TCU. And the coolest thing is, is that God has allowed me to be like Lennon for a whole bunch of Andrews here at TCU. This is why we do what we do. And, and like, I've fought hard to live out these convictions of real devotional life, real brotherhood and sisterhood, and real responsibility because Jesus saved me and he made me a new person. And he invited me to follow him and fish for people. And that's why we do what we do here at TCU. Friends, I know I didn't give you a bunch of rules and stuff about how to live out your faith in college. I didn't say you should have this many beers at a party or you, this is how far you can go with someone, like a girl or a boy. Like, I didn't go into a bunch of the rules and regulations. I, I just want you to embrace those convictions. If you will do it, I believe your college experience will be more fulfilling than you have ever could have imagined. And I also believe that your whole life will be transformed by the power of God. He wants to use you to change the world by the power of his spirit. And I just, I want you to know that he wants for you to embrace what those disciples embraced in their first semester. Real devotional life, real brother and sisterhood, and real responsibility. Will you follow Jesus in that today? We, in Kaiapa, we want to help you do that. We want you to join a life group. We want you to be a part of what God's doing in our ministry and what he's doing in this city and on this campus. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. We're grateful that you modeled what you ask us to do. We're grateful that these disciples walked in obedience to you so that we could be here today to experience you. And I just pray, God, that we would follow you today, that we would embrace these convictions, that we would love you with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. God, in our college experience would be more fulfilling and more fruitful than we could have ever imagined. We love you so much, Jesus. Help us today, God, as we walk out the rest of this semester. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit TCUXA.com. God bless and go Frogs.